Our final uh, speaker in this session is Helen Ferguson, who actually has been with Carers UK since the dawn of time, <laughs> since 1994. Um, the Equalities Bill, of course, is not a UK bill. I, uh, it's a GB bill. And there is one part of the United Kingdom that actually does have equalities on the face of equality legislation. And Helen, from, who's the Director of Carers Northern Ireland, is going to tell you about it. Uh, good afternoon, everybody. I'm conscious that I'm standing between you and lunch, which is a very dangerous place to be, so uh, I'm relying on, on, on Roz to keep me to time. But I think it is worth just sharing experiences from uh, across different parts of the UK. We've found that a very effective way uh, since devolution to try and improve the picture for carers across the UK. And in Northern Ireland, since 2000, we have had... Uh, a statutory duty on public bodies to promote equality for persons with dependents, uh, which means both carers and parents uh, of children who don't have disabilities. Just a little bit on the context. I mean, Northern Ireland, I think, is, is felt in some ways to be a more traditional society, and I think there's maybe an expectation that, that the picture of caring might be different in Northern Ireland than in other parts of the UK. But in fact, the picture is very broadly similar. Uh, the gender split is fairly consistent at 60% uh, women and 40% and male. We do have slightly higher levels of caring um, and, and, and slightly more significantly higher levels of people caring more hours. So when you look at who's caring over 20 hours a week, uh, there's a much higher proportion in Northern Ireland compared to other parts of the UK. And some of that, I think, is the legacy of the Troubles. Uh, we do have a higher proportion of people with disability in the population in Northern Ireland. Um, and some of that relates to the Troubles and people who are, who are directly victims of the Troubles, uh, injured, uh, disabled uh, through violence. And some of it, I think, relates to the more longer-term impact across a greater group of people, which is the mental health, the increased levels of mental health difficulties that we find in Northern Ireland, which are in some senses still emerging uh, and, and we've not fully uh, taken on board yet. And some of it, uh, I mean, the 30 years of troubles have left us uh, struggling with a very great deal of widespread economic deprivation, the impacts that that has for, for, for health. The piece of legislation that brought in the duty to promote equality of opportunities, Section 75 of the Northern Ireland Act. Now, the Northern Ireland Act was the piece of legislation that brought about devolution and power sharing in Northern Ireland. It brought in the Northern Ireland Assembly, it brought in the Equality Commission for Northern Ireland, it brought in the Human Rights Commission for Northern Ireland. So it didn't just bring in the, the mechanisms of government, but it also very consciously looked at how civic society was engaged in our, new, uh, in our new structures going forward. And some of that, I think, was a matter of principle about wanting to build a better society. And some of it was quite cynical by the British and Irish governments in that they relied on engaging people and drawing people into political activity in its broader sense, who didn't feel they were represented by uh, political parties, uh, as a way of breaking the impasse that, that our, our, our traditional parties had got themselves into. So in some ways, Section 75, the Equality Commission, the Human Rights Commission, were, were, were a reward for community groups and voluntary groups and women's groups and carers' groups that had got engaged in the debate and helped shift us to a point uh, where the politicians were able to make the steps that they made. And Section 75 is uh, the piece of the Act 
piece of legislation uh, that deals with equality. Um, and according to the Equality Commission itself, it's about public authorities working with service users and their representatives to try and prevent equality in public service practice. So at the very heart of it is that thing about involving people. And, and John talked about the, uh, the extent to which equality uh, schemes are improved and equality impact assessments are improved if you involve people. <coughs> involving people uh, in the development of public policy is absolutely at the heart of Section 75, and it, it's a requirement for public authorities. So the public authorities have to be more open and have to consult with those affected by them. Uh, policy has a very broad definition, uh, and there are some technical difficulties with not, what's not included that that I probably no, don't need to go into at the minute, but it's very broad. Um, and public authorities are all the Northern Ireland public authorities plus any UK public bodies that operate within Northern Ireland. Those parts of their operation within Northern Ireland have had to be doing this for, for, for the past eight years or so now. So there's a lot of experience within public bodies that, that, that those of you who are just moving into this area can draw on. Um, Significant here is the groups that are involved. So all public bodies have to promote equality of opportunity between persons of different religious beliefs, political opinion, racial group, age, marital status, sexual orientation, men and women, persons with a disability and persons without, and persons with dependents. Uh, and obviously, most significantly for us, that's where carers are explicitly named. And the, the difference this brought about was that it brought in to the equality framework a number of groups that hadn't been previously covered by anti-discrimination legislation, particularly people at that stage, people of, different, of various different sexual orientations, people of different ages, and people with or without dependents. Now, of that listing of that group, carers are the only group that still do not have anti-discrimination protection. Madeline drew the distinction earlier on between equality of opportunity and, and, and protection against discrimination. So we have, we're, we're ahead of you in some senses in the promoting equality of opportunity, but we still don't have protection for carers against discrimination. <laughs> carers have certain hard rights that have been rehearsed already today, and I, I don't need to go back into those. Uh, but if you look, for example, at um, the right to request flexible working, that applies once you've been in work for, for six months. Up until that point, at interview stage, at recruitment stage, it's still perfectly legal <laughs> for an employer to discriminate against you, uh, though the Coleman judgment obviously begins to change that. So the, the promotion equality of opportunity is one of the key duties. Uh, the equality schemes that uh, screen and assess the impact of, of, of policies and that allow for uh, public bodies to look at negative impact and whether they can avoid it completely or if they can't avoid it completely, uh, how they can mitigate against it. And significantly, as I mentioned earlier on, the consultation with the groups identified in Section 75. The Equality Commission, I just want to mention a little minute, its duties. They review the effectiveness. They have a, a duty to review the effectiveness of Section 75 in promoting equality of duty. It offers advice and guidance to public authorities and it investigates the complaints uh, of failure to comply with their own equality schemes. So it scrutinises what they're doing. Um, it investigates breaches 
uh, by public bodies, but it's also the advice agency. And there have been some tensions there between the advisory role and the scrutiny role. But at the end of the day, um, there are very few sanctions that the Equality Commission uh, that can take against public bodies that are not fulfilling their duty. Um, they can refer them to the Secretary of State, and we're not quite sure what happens. Maybe the, the Chief Executive of the public body gets drawn into the Secretary of State's office and gets their, their wrists slapped uh, like, a, like a naughty schoolgirl. Um, so the sanctions and the redress is not significant within the legislation, and that, I think, is one of the issues uh, with, with the legislation. The other thing just to draw attention to uh, is that uh, the socio-economic duty that's being included within your Single Equality Bill is not part of Section 75. The Equality Commission does not have any powers to uh, look at how policies do or don't address equality for uh, poor people, uh, and therefore, in answer to the question someone uh, raised earlier on about um, uh, perceived discrimination uh, in carers' alliance, uh, the Equality Commission has had a look at this and has not been able to act, uh, particularly on the removal of uh, carers' alliance for people over 65 um, because of the way the benefit system is structured. So we, we've had an attempt at that one and haven't been successful, and maybe the socio-economic duty would, would allow us another crack at it. I don't want to go into a huge de uh, lot of detail about equality schemes, uh, other than to say that they're about public bodies um, <coughs> detailing how they're going to carry out their duty to promote equality of opportunity. So it has to include a commitment, it has to include timetables so everybody knows what they're going to do and can, and, and can come back to them if they're, if they're not doing that. Um, the screening and the impact assessing is, is the critical bit and the involvement of people. Uh, who will be affected by the policies. Uh, and again, the one thing I want to draw attention to in the impact assessment is that the final policy must be shown to, show, to come out of a process that left no stone unturned. So really, um, there is a clear onus on public bodies to make sure, and it was something one of our, our, our speakers said this morning about poking into every corner, that enshrined within this process and with the guidance about equality impact assessments is that public bodies must poke into every corner and satisfy themselves that they've considered all the equality impacts of any policy they're bringing in. Um, and even if they're not able to entirely overcome all the equality impacts, they then have to look at, the, um, at how they can mitigate any adverse impact. So on to the bit you more are interested in, maybe. I mean, has Section 75 made any difference for carers at all? Well, it has. Um, in terms of, I'll go to the second point first, policy improvements. In, in terms of policy improvements, there have been some. Uh, it probably hasn't been the most significant bit of the process. Uh, some examples. We get educational institutes extending their opening hours so that people with caring responsibilities can take part in education and training, the kind of thing Madeline was talking about earlier on. Um, education bodies, all the public bodies uh, within education, the education boards, the staff commission worked together, reviewed their policies on promotion uh, and 
realised that they were discriminating against or they were not promoting equality of opportunity for people on caring career breaks and changed their promotions policy to make sure that carers had access to promotion in the same way that any other member of staff did. Um, some of the city councils have delivered equality awareness training to their staff to make sure their staff can uh, be sure that they're open and responsive uh, to carers who are coming to them for services. Uh, they produced a guide to support their own staff who are carers. Um, some of the museums in Northern Ireland have introduced carer discounts, so they've changed their charging policies, having reviewed it uh, through their impact assessments. So there are. The examples that we've got are mainly small examples like that that are significant for, for a number of individuals. But the other changes I think have, have been more important. Strategic change. So within public bodies, uh, Section 75 duties have been incorporated into the corporate strategic objectives. So they become central to the mission of the organisation. Um, a move to more accessible methods of consultation. There's been more thought put into how public bodies hear carers' voices, how they involve them, how they engage them, how they listen to them. And actually, having carers at the table makes a huge difference so that senior pe people within, within public bodies can really hear and think about how the adverse impact of their policies affects individuals and their lives and it changes how people within public bodies approach their policy making which then leads to the more important bit the cultural change within public bodies um, for the first time public bodies had to take care seriously they had to listen to them they had to involve them so the department of employment the department of education and learning uh, the department for social development all these bodies particularly the government bodies that for years had set, thought of, of carers as a health issue. That's a health issue. That's a social care issue. We don't need to think about it. We don't need to worry about it. Have had to think about it and have had to change how they uh, do their business. And actually one of the interesting things is that a lot of the changes have been about looking at internal policies and how they support their own staff and how they allow carers to work within uh, the public sector and particularly in Northern Ireland where the public sector is the most significant employer, that's been hugely significant. And another thing is, is, is about raising awareness both within organisations but it's also had a knock-on effect in that, that people who maybe would have taken years to recognise themselves as carers are helped to recognise themselves as carers at an earlier stage uh, and to um, get more help and support. Uh, I'm conscious that I've run out of time. I just want to um, finish by this, uh, looking at what Section 75 doesn't do for carers. There has been a real problem, and there was a discussion earlier on about communication and making sure people understand what rights they have, because unless they do that, they can't take them up. And it has been a problem in Northern Ireland. And part of the Re Equality Commission's review of Section 75 has recognised that and that they need to do more to make caring seem directly relevant to care, uh, carers' lives, so that they understand the role of public bodies better, um, that, that language is simplified. If you look in your pack, the paper you've got in your pack is one we've prepared for carers, and we've tried to make it as simple as possible. The Equality Commission and public bodies are starting to do the same thing, and that's important. To make the link between policy and services, and I'll just mention there the word outcomes. We need to move from equality of opportunity uh, in terms of policy development to equality of opportunity and out uh, equality of outcomes. Um, 
It doesn't offer redress, as I mentioned earlier on, uh, and it doesn't protect from communication, uh, discrimination. So carers in Northern Ireland are very keen to see a single equality bill. Um, we were ahead of you on this. Uh, problems within our political processes <laughs> has yet again thrown the normal processes of government out of kilter, and we are now trailing behind you. But what that does, I suppose, is it gives us to bring in some of the opportunities that have been lobbied for here unsuccessfully, and it does give the opportunity for Northern Ireland to try and lead, lead the way again, uh, perhaps in the future. Thank you very much.